Hello and welcome. My name is Mark Blatstein. I'm the physician founder of Physician Pre-Sentence Report Service. Today's YouTube is going to be regarding uh, you, if you're the defendant and your attorney, and working with your attorney to prepare for your pre-sentence interview. It's paramount. And as these are going to be on the smaller uh, YouTube screens, in the bottom right hand, you're going to notice there's a little square. And so because I'm going to be using slides, it may be a lot easier or it's going to be a lot easier if you click on that little square in the bottom right hand corner. It's going to be a lot simpler for you to be able to see my screen. So let me start by sharing the screen or linking to it. And let's see if I can get this to cooperate. And get this to cooperate. And there we go. So essentially, right before you've decided that you've gone to that you know that something's happening around you, what you do next is going to determine your future. And that's critical. So I'm going to jump ahead of it, this discussion and say that you need to take an active role in your defense. So if you decided that the FBI is, is if you had the FBI knock at your front door and you're the target of a government investigation, you're the white collar guy with a fraud indictment, maybe you've been charged with corruption, you have a career either in corporate or the private sector, um, and now you're facing federal charges. Understand, the attorneys know the law. This is what they do, and they're very good at it. But as you're approaching your sentencing hearing, the nuances of a federal sentence and the Federal Bureau of Prisons is a completely different animal. And your judge and judges across the country all agree that they want to hear from you, the client. The judges know that the... Uh, the judge knows that the Department of Justice wants a crime conviction and you to go go to jail. They know that the prosecutor wants another notch in his belt and they want a conviction. They know that the attorney is going to say nice things about you, but they 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 don't know what you're going to say. And so while they have a predetermined sentence in mind for your sentencing hearing, this is going to be your time to to influence the judge. And you're, it all is going to hinge on what's called your personal narrative. And judges across the country agree they want to hear that they want to read this narrative before you get to before you get to your sentencing hearing. How's that going to happen? Well, what's a narrative? A narrative is your story from childhood to, to now to what caused you to have this crime to, to break the law. And it accepts remorse, it understands there's victims, and it doesn't minimize the crime. Nike has their narrative or story about their shoes. Tesla has their narrative about their cars. A release plan, it's kind of early in the game, and I understand that. But the judge at sentencing is going to want to know your plan not to come back to their court courtroom. And to be honest with you, and I'm bringing all of this up because 
I had a conviction for a felony about 20 years ago. With the support of colleagues, I was able to get my medical license back in 2010. And although I was seeing patients, I had a career change because I was unprepared. I didn't know what a narrative was. And there wasn't any first step back. I didn't know what a release plan was. I didn't know what an allocution was. I didn't even know what to expect when I went into the Federal Bureau of Prisons. And so the reason I'm here is to prepare you for what you should expect. Judges want to talk to you. And so to prepare for all of this, you shouldn't be dumbfounded when the judge asks you, do you have anything to say? I was dumbfounded. And so if you if you are prepared for all of this ahead of time, you are much wiser because knowledge is important in anything that you do. So now I'm going to we're going to slide back into the to this video. When you look at these videos, a little square back here, and that's what you'll be able to enlarge so you can see all this. So the pre-sentence report is what all this is building to. That's your Bible that's going to last with you throughout the duration while you're under the control of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. And that means that it's not just while you're inside a, a prison facility. It's going to extend to while when you leave the Bureau of Prisons, you go into halfway house or you go to home confinement and you're on, on supervised release. And it extends throughout supervised release until you're off of supervised release. And any little tiny thing that you do while you're on supervised release, if you're having disagreements with your probation officer, can turn around and send you back to prison. You don't want to have that happen. So let's circle back again. So being prepared for the pre-sentence interview is important because the information put into that is going to affect your release date. It should also have in it that you've accepted responsibility through your narrative. It's going to affect your security level. It's going to affect hope if you have a medical record, a lengthy or brief medical record, all of that information needs to be in there. And we'll go through that because the Federal Bureau of Prisons is set up under a care level system, one through four, extending level four being hospitals and level one being limited to no care. Now, if you're going into a contract or private system, which is still under the care of the BOP, I don't know what to tell you because there's almost no information in the public domain about how they provide either medical care, mental health care, or quite frankly, programs that are equivalent to the first step back programs. Psychology programs, they're available, but they're limited in availability. There are some programs, for example, that are for those who are autistic or who have borderline personality disorders that I'll show you in later into this YouTube. There's only two locations nationwide. And so this is important to know where you're going before you get to the pre-sentence interview so that you and your attorney can have a detailed strategy laid out before you meet your probation officer. 
programming and criminogenic needs. This is a very, this is first about programming is my understanding from those that have been around this system longer than I have is a, I don't want to say it's a gift, but it's something where you can now earn your way to way to leave incarceration earlier based on not getting in trouble and earning program credits that will decrease your criminogenic needs. And in order to do that, you need to take a risk assessment survey during the first 30 days when you meet what's called a case manager. Now, that means that the, there's work that you can do to help shorten your stay. Now, I'm going to go into some of that. Before you get into the pre-sentence interview, you need to go ahead and take the time. It can be anywhere from 20 hours to 50 to 75 hours. It depends on how well you write and how honest you are with yourself to draft your own personal story or personal narrative. So what is this going to be? Well, currently, right now, your narrative, there is a, there is a narrative out there out about you, which has been written by the Department of Justice. It's called your indictment. It's been read by all your colleagues, family and friends, by the prosecution, by the prosecutor, and possibly by the judge. <clears throat> and so it's likely it's not very flattering. And your job is to begin to write your own personal narrative. And it should be done by someone who's not an enabler, but and it's pro and it's likely going to take several rewrites. Where you start writing, it's going to be a very long, it could be multiple pages, it could be several thousand words, but where you've rewritten it until we digest it over time and it's distilled over time until it's an honest version of you and the events that occurred until it's an honest version of yourself where you've accepted responsibility, you understand the victim's pain, and you're demonstrated the remorse that it deserves. And this requires a lot more, but that's a brief overview. You've prepared and role-played for an allocution because the personal narrative, this makes up a large percentage of the pre-sentence interview. Included in it is also going to be your history medically because that dovetails into it. It's going to be your family social history dynamic with your parents growing up, elementary school, high school, college. Did you work? Did your parents work? Did they get along? All of those dynamics make up your story. Did you work while you were in school? Did you work your way through college if you went to college? Did you drop out of college because you couldn't afford it and you had to work to support a family? You understand where I'm going with this. Your reentry plan has to... You need to have a reentry plan that needs to prove to the court that you understand, in addition, the remorse and that you and that you're not going to that you you don't want to be back in this courtroom again. The judge needs to be convinced that you're not going to that they're not going to see you again in the courtroom because the judge will be quite 
blunt with you, wanting to know how you can reassure the court that you will not be back in the courtroom again. And so this requires also work on your part, but there's a lot of information on the website. Additionally, the financial responsibility program. If you have a financial penalty with the court, then when you have your first meeting with your, once you're in prison, no matter what the judge does, if the judge has an order for you that you aren't, that he said, the judge says that, that they do not require you to pay anything to the, to participate in the financial responsibility program. It is our opinion, my opinion that you still participate. And if you're having friends, family send you in a lot of money, let's say it's thousands of dollars, a thousand dollars or more a month, and you have a responsibility program or you have a financial penalty, then offer your case manager $200 a month. If you have a several hundred dollar, several hundred thousand dollar uh, penalty and you're taking in several hundred dollars a month possibly you can get, get away with 75 dollars a month or 75 dollars a quarter it just depends how much money is coming in to you per quarter the first step back when you're coming in when you have the meeting with your case manager who is a stakeholder and stakeholders I go through throughout my website and YouTubes. But these are these are persons that you may meet or you may never meet, but they have control over your future. You're going to ask them that you want to be able to take the assessment, the risk assessment that allows you to participate in the programming. Well, this is when you go ahead and you mention that you want to participate in the financial responsibility program, because if you don't, or you refuse to, they may, this may inhibit your ability to participate in any first step back programming. And it will also decrease your ability or it may negatively impact your ability to get early release. To, when you take the assessment questions, it would, at least in my impression, also be smart to know the questions ahead of time. And what are the questions? Before I get there, I also left out that regarding the financial responsibility program, don't keep thousands of dollars in your commissary account. That makes absolutely no sense because the Department of Justice has been writing in or publishing that they would love the ability to swoop down and take 75% of an individual's income or money that they have in their accounts. So don't give them the opportunity to come in and take your money out of your account. That would, doesn't make any sense to me. So what are the questions that go into this assessment questionnaire? Well, click on this and we'll find out. Opening this up. There will pop up two forms here. There's an inmate interview form, and there's another form underneath it that is the staff interview form. 
So I am assuming, being that this was not available when I was in the BOP, that this one is taken, that you answer on uh, on their internet form, on their internet system. And they're going to want to know how you're familiar with the first step back, what did, how did you, what you learned during, you know, or during orientation, or where did you find out about it? <clears throat> how are needs identified? Did you take the serving on True Links? What are the programs that are available? How do you go about expressing interest? All of these questions, you can learn that you can begin to prepare to answer them before you ever go in to the system. Plus, you can begin to answer these into your um, personal narrative before you get to the pre-sentence interview. It, and it looks like you're prepared because this is going to be read by your case manager. And you're when, as I said, when you have your first meeting with your case manager that's part of your unit team, these individuals have tremendous influence in your programming. In other words, your ability to take these assessment classes and in how quickly you get early release. The next form, this is going to be via staff interview. And here they're going to want to ask you also similar questions. Where'd you learn about the first step back? How familiar are you, you know, with the first step back? But now they're additionally, you have the advantage because that's going to ask you, how'd you learn about it? What are your thoughts about the program statement? 5400.01 and 5220.01. Well, you're going to say you're very familiar because you're going to be here on my website you're going to flip this open click on that link you're going to open this up as quick as the website opens it up and you're going to copy this you're going to print it so that you'll be able to mail that to yourself along with the other one just say two days after two days before you self-surrender so you have all of this information ready and it's why you started your pre-release plan that's in your personal narrative. You now, this adds to your pre-release plan that you bring with you. And then you can add that to what the case manager already has. And so you can come into that first meeting pre prepared with that piece of paper. And so it makes you look that much better. That is the assessment questions, your pattern score. These scores are fixed. They're hard numbered scores. They're hard number scores. With that, I mean, and I'll use a male. Well, this time I'll use a female. Normally I use male. On the previous YouTube, I use a male. I'll use a female here. We're going to open this up. And then I'm going to have to enlarge it a bit little bit so it's going to go current age if you're over 60 you're going to get a zero if you're under 26 unfortunately get dinged with a 25 if you have a criminal history this you should know ahead of time because your attorney this is part of your in the united states your guidelines is going to be your criminal history score versus your offense level and so this criminal history score is what the prosecution is looking 
regarding your your placement is whether how many months you're going to get. So this, you and your attorney are figuring out ahead of time as to where you fall. History of escape, escape attempts, history of violence, education level, all of this. If you're, you know, before, if it's your first time, there's not going to be a drug program. It'll be zero. And so these are all hard coded. And you'll know these numbers, which will help you and your attorney begin to calculate your offense level versus your criminal history score so that you and your attorney should go into your meeting with your probation officer before the pre-sentence interview and maybe could get a lower guideline range. So this is what is starting as the, the impact of the pre-sentence interview. So now we're going to get into a little more detail. So what you're doing is that your job in the beginning is that you have to, if you have a, especially if you have a complete, if you have a medical record, you need copies of everything, all history, all surgery reports, all physician name, address, email, phone number, website, all surgery reports, pathology reports, all contact information I've gone through, all blood tests, all medical records, all diagnostic tests. Those are x-ray, CT, MRI, CDs, oh, MRIs, ultrasounds, PET scans, um, any uh, EKG, uh, nuclear medicine type results. You want to get them on CD or flash drive. You want to get two copies of each because if you're like most most of the patients I've had, you don't have your personal, you should have a copy for yourself as well as a copy for the court. Granted, these records are also available through physician portals, but I don't know that everyone understands how to use their portal. You want to have prescriptions. That includes prescriptions for medications, but it's also for medical devices. So if you have a CPAP or BiPAP, eyeglasses, orthotics, prosthetics, diabetic shoes, wheel canes, tr crutches, you want to have the prescriptions attached to each of those as you bring them with you. Eyeglasses not made of metal. If you have for reading or seeing or whatever they're used for, their prescriptions, bring them, bring a couple pairs with you. Diabetic shoes have that prescription brought with you. They're, and all of these should be, and I can't emphasize it a much as I can't emphasize it enough. All of this should be in your pre-sentence report. <clears throat> what for medications? I look at it as three tiers in the Federal Bureau of Prisons. All their drugs are on, for the most part, or 99% generic. There are on formulary. You need to go through all of the drugs that they have. And they either are going to be, if they're on formulary, you have to verify that your medication is available on their formulary list. If they're on formulary, 
your 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 attorney should let you know that each individual medication is manufactured by multiple manufacturers. What that means is that the same drug can appear in three different in, in multiple shapes, sizes, and colors. <clears throat> then, if it's not if it's available but not on not on formulary, then it's not, can be available on a non-formulary list. And I may show this to you in another way when I'm done this. If it's available on a non-formulary list, then that means that the drugs are available, but the Federal Bureau of Prisons instructs their physicians and pharmacists not to use them. And there's a waiting list that can be six to 18 months. If this is the case for you, then you, your attorney, and the physician the doctor needs to write a letter as to why, after reviewing the drugs that are available on that are available on formulary, that why each of the drugs that would be used or substituted, why each of them do not work, and then why the only available non-formulary drug should be used, and should the BOP choose not to use it why that would be going against continuity of care and adversely affect your health. Lastly, should the drug be not available, here is where judges want to talk to your physician. And it probably is smart to have the physician in the courtroom at the day of sentencing, in addition to having a notarized or an affidavit from the physician saying why uh, the medication that you're on needs to be used. And if I can quickly identify, um, let me see some, if I can, if I can't, I can't. Uh, let me see. Mm. Eh, maybe not. Okay. Then you need to get copies of your highest educational level achieved. It doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, doctor, or physicist. You need to get copies of that. You want copies of military where you serve, branch, highest rank, type of discharge any other certifications that you may have or trade certifications. If you have any special training in computers, I would not include that. If you have a, a list of people that you want to stay commute, you want to communicate with be email or letters have on the back of a piece of paper from your case, Type on the back their name, address, phone number, email address, and bring that in with you in an envelope labeled legal mail, as well as mailing that same piece of paper to yourself a day or two before you arrive. 
Additionally, while you're doing all this, your attorney is also working. He knows a lot about your case at this point, he or she, but they are now reaching out to, to learn who is the probation officer that's going to work with you. The probation officer is the court's representative. And they need to understand that once they find out who the probation officer is, they want to know, you know, what what forms that the probation officer needs from you and the date that the uh, that these forms that they want them completed by. And that's important. Your attorney probably knows this already, but it's a good idea just because probation officers are overworked. They don't have any time. I mean, they are just they they don't have extra time. So we're trying to be um, very gracious with their time and accommodating with that time from the very beginning. The date that works best for them for the pre-sentence interview. Also, you want to find out what's their final dictation dateline, deadline, or the last date that their dictation for their pre-sentence report is due. That's important because when they do the interview, they need then they have to begin putting everything together for the pre-sentence report. And what does this does is give your attorney and the legal team the a timeline for the defense strategy. They can go all of to go through everything with you and be able to understand your role in the offense. Maybe that's where they can begin to go through the guidelines with you as well as begin to, to go through the requirements for a placement request because you need that. You just can't ask for a placement request. There has to be a reason why the request is being made. And in, for the reason why, it has to be either for um, a medical reason or for a step back programming reason or within close proximity to the to your legal residence, or should another another reason rise to the occasion? Possibly, um, as you meet the probation officer, they may become they could become your advocate. You want to try and not you, but. The goal is for your attorney to try and connect with the probation officer before they meet with the prosecutor. Because you want to do that before the prosecutor can speak with the probation officer and essentially get them biased against you. As the probation officer was not at trial, because that if that's the case, then they still might have an open mind. But if the probation officer has already spoken with the prosecutor, then they may have already been influenced, just not in your favor. So tying this together, it's important that when working with probation officers, understand that they meet a lot of people um, they may appear a little standoffish or aloof when they're working with you, but understand that they're very busy, they're doing their best, and they never have enough time. So they 
actually may appreciate any efforts that are made um, in easing a portion of their workload. And by providing them with a very, by you providing them with a narrative that reviews essentially your life story, which includes your medical background and your attorney providing them with a organized descri description of their ca your case, this will be very helpful for them in preparing the pre-sentence report. Um, additionally, a lot of the things that I have here, most of, you know, most attorneys already know ahead of time. Um, that you can read this or skim it while I'm reading what I will draw attention to COVID. I don't want to say that COVID has gone away because it hasn't. COVID is going to be with us for a long time. Um, the flu can kill, I don't know, anywhere from 50,000 up to 75,000 people a year. Some, somewhat, sometimes less, sometimes up to that high. COVID, when the numbers finally settle, may wind up having a lethality in the hundreds of thousands a year. Unfortunately, because of how politics got in the middle of things, um, we've accepted that several hundred thousand a year passing away from COVID is statistically acceptable. So that being said, if you're a long hauler, then that's medically documented, meaning that you really can't do much other than get up, go to bed, get up, eat, go to the bathroom. Then this is something with medical documentation, uh, your attorney is has already started running interference between you and the court because there's no way no prison can, there's no jail or prison in the country that can, um, that can provide for you. It's just not possible. And for supporting information on this, I can speak with you, but quite frankly, any attorney can, or rather any physician can. Uh, moving forward. Then let's see, why did I have this slide here? Ah, so as you now, as you go ahead and you have all your information ready, you've, your narrative has been prepared now for the pre-sentence interview. The re-entry plan has been put into the pre-sentence interview. Everything is into the pre-sentence report. You've had the conversation with or your allocution with your judge, and you've done everything right. Now, as well, I tell you that nothing is guaranteed because the judge and the Bureau of Prison can do anything they want on any given day. Um, you hope for the best, but even with that in mind, you still need to prepare, be prepared that. You just keep your eye on the ultimate goal and keep working towards your way home with a positive attitude. 
But should the the judge begin to be impressed with the fact that you've between your guilty verdict, your sentencing hearing, you didn't spend your time watching TV at home. You had a job doing something, even if you were a six-figure um, CEO of some kind, you were delivering pizza, you had a good narrative, you had a good allocution, and they were well, they were willing to go ahead and allow you to make a placement recommendation. So now you have to have a <clears throat> reason for the recommendation. So you're, this is where your attorney says a request from the court, your honor, we'd like, we would you be willing to allow the, the would you willing to allow our, our, the defendant to, uh, be placed in a in a in a prison in a prison that has uh, let's say a program that is either RDAP for drug program or this program for autism, and the judge says okay, and then you're going to say next, okay, can you then we want you to send it to this prison, ABC, not any prison just this one prison abc and the judge said will say hopefully okay and lastly you said then could you please also put into the order that if the bop is not able to do this if they could just let you know in writing why they're not able to and the judge will say okay and then the last thing they'll say is that your attorney then is willing to hand over, in this case, the example is going to be, this is the packet I, we put together, and this is, let's say, for this example, it's Alderson. And this is the prison Alderson, and, and this is the reason. So in this case, the reason was the Resolve program for the female prison, and it has for those with substance abuse and trauma. And so it has both the drug program and trauma. And this is why we're sitting here. It has all the programs that are listed there. So if I'm able to go through it, it has all the programs and plus the drug program. And so that, it, the, it, that, the, that the judge is able to go through all this plus the resolve program. So they'll be able to see all of that. And so with this in mind, I hope that you have found this helpful and that <clears throat> you've taken your time out of the busy day to let, listen to this presentation. And I hope you stay safe. Have a good day.